You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. everybody. This is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Erin Carey. Today is another one of our wildly popular simulcasts where we are recording for both shows, Sparking Wholeness and my slew of shows. And Erin, I love talking about this topic brain fog because I couldn't tell if my brain fog was because I had COVID I had the COVID shot, you know, the vaccine, then I had immunotherapy and cancer treatments on top of it. So who knows what the brain fog came from, but I'm wondering if it's also because of pandemic stress, we have been stressed for so long. So I'm so glad that we're talking about this today because I don't know where my brain fog came from. I just know I have it. How about you? (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love the way you open that because I totally agree. Similar for me, there are so many reasons that we can have brain fog. Sometimes we can have brain fog just because we're a mom, you know, we can have brain fog because we're getting older and things are changing. And even our body is shifting in the way that we digest and utilize nutrients. And then you hear things like oxidative stress, which really can cause damage to our brains as we are trying, as our bodies are trying to produce antioxidants and we're consuming antioxidants to fight free radical damage that hinders our brain health and hinders that clarity of thought that we need to have, but sometimes we don't get enough antioxidants. And when we don't, we have brain fog. So there are a thousand different reasons we can have brain fog, but I do believe that there has been an increase in that, especially having to do with COVID COVID has hit a lot of people hard. You know, it's funny. I I'm involved in a lot of different trainings and webinars regularly, just as I'm educating myself. And it seems like everybody is coming to the same conclusion that no matter you know, what you had before you had COVID or the vaccine or whatever, the way your body responds, sometimes it depends on, um, what your issues were before the virus can exacerbate them. The virus can highlight or, um, almost make them a little bit worse before you completely heal. And I just think that that's what we're seeing with inflammation. We have a lot of people in our country and our world that are very, very inflamed having to do with chronic disease and poor diet and stress. Stress is a big driver of inflammation, you know? And so when we have inflammation and then we have a virus and our body is creating an inflammatory attack to fight the virus, we create this cytokine storm that has been popular in the headlines. And that's when everybody's body just goes crazy and goes under attack. And so we have these long haul symptoms. And one of those symptoms can be the brain fog. So, yeah. So, I mean, it could be it could be any kind of a root cause driving the brain fog, but I think that we do need to address that many people are experiencing brain fog. And I'm, I include myself in that. I, this morning I went to yoga and I was having a hard time figuring out my right for my left. And it took me a good 20 minutes into yoga to go, okay, I am going to calm down, take deep breaths and my brain got a little more regulated the more that I did it. But that's why I do things like yoga, you know, because I am usually just running full speed and my brain gets out of whack. Well, and I think that's, you know, true of 
almost every parent of small children. Like when yes. you have small children, you know, you're, you're just running all the time and your, your brain is just doing stuff all the time. But I will tell you, like, I love the blame it on COVID. Like, you know, like we had a mouse in our house. I'm like, blame it on COVID, you right. know? like pretty much anything, but we all have been through a lot, whether you've had COVID or not, whether you've had the shot or not, whether you're inflamed or not. The fact of the matter is we've all been subject to a global pandemic and for all of us, that's the first time in our human history, not the first time in human history, but our human history, that we've been subject to these kind of conditions, whether you're going to the grocery store or taking your kid to school. And Erin, today we're having this, it's the big sit out in California where the parents are protesting the vaccines, um, which our governor has has requested that they be given to all school-aged children, you know, who are attending public school. To be fair, we have six million kids. Our, wow. <laughs> that's a lot of kids. Lot. But And I'm not here to debate the merits of the vaccine or the merits of our government, but what it did was it further polarized and divided the schools because the kids who went to school today, like my kids, are vaccinated. Mm -hmm. The kids who stayed home are not. So now we're creating this additional level of divisiveness within our school children. Why would a five-year-old or a seven-year-old need to know if his buddy or his, you know, playmate is vaccinated? Well, now we've created that, you know, through this protest, which is an, you know, unforeseen side effect. But what it did was stress everybody out. So now we're not yeah. even just dealing with, and this, I'm just using this as an example, Aaron, of, you know, whether it's your business with the supply chain, whether it's your family with, you know, are you going to sit out and protest the vaccine? Are you right. going to send your kid to school? Like all of these things are far beyond just our normal day-to-day anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and it's so funny. I, not funny, not ha ha funny at all. I, I just think it's interesting that at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, we were all reactionary out of fear in a good way. Like we want to be safe. We want to keep the people around us safe and fear drives us to make quick decisions, to kind of live in fight or flight for a little bit. And that can be a good thing that can be protective, but we're about, you know, two years in and right. at some point, prolonged fear like that prolonged fight or flight that is doing more harm than good. And it it truly does cause changes in the brain. When we are living in fight or flight, our amygdala, which is that fear brain, it's having a really hard time accessing the prefrontal cortex, which is where we show empathy, which is where we make connections and good decisions and where we can actually open ourselves up to perspectives from other people. And I think that's what we're lacking. And I think we are entrenched in so much fear and division, like you said, that it's causing a lot of our brains to just go offline and we're reacting instead of responding and taking a second to see a different perspective. And, you know, like you said, I I don't ever want to get, especially on my show, I always want it to be about exploring new information from a new perspective, not like my way is the right way and your way is the wrong way, but that's what we're hearing a lot. And that throws our brain into all sorts of chaos. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you talk about, um, 
you know, what, what I don't understand, Aaron, and, and this is something, you know, like we are talking about brain fog and we are talking about, you know, contributing factors to this, but stress is a really big one, yes. um, probably the biggest one that we can all agree upon. Like, mm-hmm. you know, all those other things we could debate till the cows come home. But the funny thing that I don't understand, Aaron, is when we look at protesting and we look at brain health or not, not protesting, but, but brain fog, why are we not, why are we not talking about things like BVO, which is brominated vegetable oil, right? Why are we not talking about pesticides, the toxic chemicals Mm -hmm. that are in our fruits? How about the arsenic that shows up what it shows up in, in rice and some other things, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I don't know how to pronounce this. It phthalates, phthalates. How do you pronounce it? Yes. Oh, that's a big one. That's been unrecognized for a long time as a contributor to mental health issues. And it absolutely, it's a lot of things that, that the FDA has recognized as safe that we're finding out they're not necessarily so safe. Yeah, I, I agree. That fires me up. There are so many things that we're exposed to daily that take a toll on our brain health, on our mental health, on our whole body, physical health, and it contributes to inflammation. It contributes to that free radical damage in our body. And we don't, we're not producing enough antioxidants to go against the pollution that's occurring in our bodies and even in our water, you know, our water is highly polluted with a lot of these, these chemicals. And, um, I mean, you can look it up on environmental working group. I've looked up the water in my zip code before, and I'm like, wait a minute, there's arsenic in my water. Are you kidding me? How do we look up our water? Like what we're putting in our brains? Like, how do we look that up? It's on environmental working group. You can search your zip code and you can see what's in there and it'll tell you like, here's the level of safety. And this is how many times over the level of safety your water is. And that's why, you know, a lot of people are going to hold house filters and reverse osmosis. You can get, you know, something like a Berkey that you can put on your counter that purifies your water. There's a whole bunch of different water purification tools. Um, but the thing, when we purify our water, we also take out the beneficial minerals. So, you know, that's, that's another thing. It's like, we're not getting the healthy minerals. Our water is contaminated with things that are driving this brain fog and all sorts of issues. And it's just, it's, it's something that's perpetuated and we're not having these conversations where we're getting involved in debates over vaccine or no vaccine, but we're not looking at what's actually contributing to whole body health from the ground floor. Right. And what's in our food, what's in our water, what's in our containers, you know, you think about, you know, BPA and, and, you know, and then what's in most importantly, though, what is in our kids candy choices. Yeah. Like you look at what's in, you know, the dyes and the colors, like, you know, that's why I think it's so funny, not funny, haha, but, but funny, strange going, if we're so angry about all these things that have to do with the vaccine, why aren't we angry about our water? Why aren't we angry mm-hmm. about our food that we're putting in our kids, the hormones or the antibiotics that are in our meats. Like there are so many bigger things to be aware of. And, you know, we're not dismissing the issues around the vaccine, but when it comes to brain health, there's a whole lot more going on than just COVID, non-COVID vaccine, non-vaccine. And, you know, you talked about um, antioxidants and free radicals. Can you tell me a little bit about what that, what, what does that mean in relation to brain health? Yeah. So I think it's such an important topic because 
ideally all of us should be producing internally and, and antioxidants like glutathione. That is a master detoxification um, agent in our body. And some of us, and I include myself in that I'm genetically predisposed to low glutathione. And then there's another one that's called sod. And I'm not even going to go into the long explanation of how you say that, <laughs> um, but it is another huge antioxidant that we are supposed to produce in our bodies. But when we are stressed, when we're encountering a whole slew of chemicals, our body can't produce those antioxidants. And so we get built up, we get toxic waste in our bodies. And that does affect our brain. It affects our mitochondria. And if you remember from seventh grade science, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, right? And so our mitochondria is what gives our cells energy. And I think cellular energy is decreasing at a huge rate for people right now, because we don't understand the importance or we do. I'm not going to say we don't understand. Everybody knows, Oh, maybe I should eat better. Maybe I should, but we don't really make the effort to go. Okay. I'm under a lot of stress. So my body is just burning through my cellular resources. So I might need to add in some more flavonoids and those are nutrients that help produce antioxidants in the body. So we're talking about anything that you can find in fruits and vegetables. One of my favorite ones right now, quercetin, I swear by quercetin. It's an amazing antioxidant that can actually help the body produce glutathione. Um, it blocks histamine response. So for people who struggle with any kind of seasonal allergies, it can be really helpful. It's found in apple peels and, you know, so you could eat a whole bunch of apples all the time, or you can just take quercetin in capsule form. And that's something that's been really beneficial for me because I know my body runs through those antioxidants and I always need more. It's like, we, we want to make sure we've got a level playing field in our body. And so we, we don't want the free radicals to outnumber the antioxidants. We want to make sure those antioxidants increase more. And so that vitamin C, you know, you can, you know, the, the biggest source of vitamin C in vegetables, red bell peppers. I love red bell peppers and they are packed with vitamin C. We usually think about oranges but red bell peppers are packed. So vitamin C is something to include. Um, then we have things like minerals that we need, like magnesium and iron. So many enzymatic reactions in the body occur when we have sufficient magnesium and magnesium is needed to produce the calming neurotransmitters like GABA. If we don't have GABA, the calming neurotransmitters, we're going to continue to stay in this freaked out fight or flight state. So, you know, there are a lot of different things that we can get from our food, but when we are continuing to, you know, well, again, and that has to do with how stressed you are, when we're continuing to live in a state of stress, we're not going to make the best decisions about our food. <laughs> and so we're going to choose things that are quick, easy, not so nutrient dense. And then we're, it's just perpetuating the cycle stress, poor eating choices, stress, poor eating choices and, and back and forth. And so just really trying to be in intentional with our choices. And it can be supplements. You know, sometimes we're just not going to get what we need in our food and supplements are okay. Uh, I, I think for some people, that's the first step that might even be the first thing you can do that leads to the better eating choices. Cause when you're flooded with nutrients, you're going to want to crave more nutrients, you know? So that's a really long, I think I got off, off topic there for a minute, but, um, but yeah, I just think anything you can do for your brain to help decrease inflammation and help flood your brain with antioxidants, it's going to affect your whole body health as well. Right. Well, and let's talk about the biggest one that I found. And again, I'm not a doctor. This is my own physical empirical research. But what <laughs> I did when I was undergoing my cancer treatments uh, last year is I made 
sleep a huge priority. I tried to get what I called my straight eight, you know, try to get eight hours of sleep and then uninterrupted. And I had to do a lot of things to get that air. And I had to get rid of the light noise in my bedroom for starters. I didn't realize how much ambient light were still on my TV, you know, on my cable box, on my computer, like on my phone, everything, you know, in my room, I changed my like shades so that I got light blocking shades. And then I also changed the temperature in my room. I bought a couple fans and I put a ceiling fan in because I really don't like to sleep in, you know, like a, a frozen box. And so I had to kind of get the sweet spot. It took me maybe a month to adjust these things. And what I noticed after I made all these adjustments is my body would naturally go to sleep. And I bought one of those sleep yeah. clocks, the ones that mm. wake you up with the sunlight and bring you down with the, mm. you know, and it wasn't expensive. It was on Amazon, maybe 30 bucks, but I invested in my sleep, which sounds really stupid, but it really paid off. And when I look at my cognitive function from getting the straight eight and then taking naps when I'm tired, what a difference in my brain performance. Yes, I agree. And so many of us, we push through on little or poor quality sleep and it really can ruin our brain health. And one thing that I started doing, gosh, I guess within the last year, I don't know why I haven't done this before, but I got a sleep mask. I put a sleep mask over my eyes to go to sleep. And this is fascinating. My husband has been doing all sorts of um, training on tra different trauma therapies and the mm -hmm. vagus nerve. And if anybody doesn't know the vagus nerve, it's spelled V-A-G-U-S, not Las Vegas, um, but it is <laughs> That's the wandering nerve. <laughs> it goes from your brain to your gut and you can stimulate your vagus nerve through various press pressure points on your body that help you to relax. Well, sleep masks actually put pressure on your eyes that stimulate the vagus nerve so that it tells your body to calm down and rest and relax. And it kind of can put help put us into that state of rest and digest, or we call it the parasympathetic nervous system state. And I totally have experienced that for myself when I wear my sleep mask to the point where, especially when I go to hotels, you know, when you go to hotels or anywhere, you stay anywhere other than home, the light is so bright and yeah. you're waking up way earlier than you want to. The sleep mask has helped so much with that. And even just to tell my body, okay, you are safe. It is dark, go to sleep. I swear by that. I love it, but it's the same thing. It's like when we can adjust, make adjustments to improve quality of sleep, that's another way that can help clean up brain fog. We've got this really cool system in our brain called the glymphatic system, not lymphatic, but glymphatic with a G. And that is like your, your brain's vacuum. <laughs> it's basically going through and cleaning out your brain and helping scavenge through whatever is unneeded the cells that are unnecessary mm -hmm. and restoring the function of your brain as you sleep overnight. But if we are not getting a deep restful sleep, that's not going to happen. And we're just going to wake up feeling, unfortunately for many people, more tired and unrested. And then that's going to cause issues. Even with our food choices, it's going to change our hunger hormone cues. It's going to make our ghrelin, which is our hunger hormone that might feel off or our leptin, which is our fullness hormone that might feel off. It impacts blood sugar. It impacts, of course, the brain fog, because when you are not eating, you know, to help support blood sugar, your brain might feel a little panicky, might feel a little anxious. I think a lot of people um, who struggle with anxiety are also struggling with unstable blood sugar. That's just out of whack, but 
is that having to do with the sleep to begin right. with, you know, I mean, there's so many contributing factors and we know so many things that can help really support brain healing. And, and I love that. I love that all this information is out there and it's accessible. Well, it's really important because this is how we make decisions on what we, what we choose each day. Like I can tell you when my kids are in sports season, I make the worst food decisions. Yeah, I'm right. running, you know, we're, we're up late at night, finishing homework. We've got games after school or early evening. You know, I'm trying to juggle in my own, you know, work and career plus laundry and everything else. And they're doing the same thing. And when we, when we, when we try to make these changes, like for me, it took me a whole month to figure out what did I need to have a good night's sleep? Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we like bulletproof or put guardrails up our brain health when we're going hundred miles an hour? Because yeah. everybody will tell you just slow down. You know, you got to slow down mm -hmm. to speed up, just slow down, Aaron. <laughs> and you're like, how am I supposed to slow down when I've got one kid like waiting outside of school, my other kid, like sometimes there isn't, isn't a slowing down. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I found that helped me a lot with getting better care for myself was prepping on Sundays for the week. Yeah. Like that was a big deal for me to cut and chop all the vegetables. It was a big pain in my, you know what, because I was tired. Sunday's my mm -hmm. day of rest. We've got church in the morning. We go grocery shopping, but I would prep meals during the week. So at least we had a fighting chance. I hate to interrupt today's discussion, but I've got to jump in real fast. If you like what you're hearing on today's show, but you want to know how to make health changes work for your body and brain, I would love to work with you. Learn more when you go to sparkingwholeness.com slash coaching to schedule your session with me. I offer personalized programs that meet you right where you are. I take everything I've learned from all these amazing experts who have been on my show, my own training from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and the School of Applied Functional Medicine, and I mix it all up with my own personal flavor, and we work together to start your journey to wholeness. Go to sparkingwholeness.com slash coaching. I would love to work with you. Okay, I'll shut up now. Back to the show. Yeah, you know, and something along with that, because that's a big one for me too. I recently discovered, and I don't know why it took me so long. I should have discovered this during the first COVID lockdown, but grocery store pickup. It has changed my life. Why yes. did it take me so long to figure this out? But I just get on my app. I order my food. Now I will say sometimes they don't have what I want available. Like I was supposed to get in my order, this garlic chili sauce. I was excited. I'm doing some kind of an Asian pork bowl thing this week, and it's going to be great. And then I unloaded my order and I'm like, oh, I missed, usually they send an email when something's not available. I missed the email that it wasn't available. So I'm probably going to have to run to the store, but running to the store for one thing that I missed, as opposed to spending, I mean, grocery shopping takes a long time time. And I just, they, they're constantly moving things around in the store. There are constantly new things. And I'm really picky about my ingredients. I'm picky about, I do want to choose organic and non-GMO as much as possible. And sometimes it takes a while to find those things. And now with grocery store pickup, I don't have to do that. So that's been really helpful for me. And the other thing that can be helpful on top of that, that I'm not super consistent with, but I do think it's a great hack is doing the prep right after I get the groceries and come home. So while I'm unloading, now I'm washing my vegetables and my fruit and I'm cutting and I'm chopping and doing all of that. That part I haven't been as consistent with because a lot of times I'm like, kids, 
you know, unload these for me. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done for the day, you know, but um, I, I do think that that is an extra step that, yeah, anywhere that we can make those like tiny little extra steps that we know, like you said, like there's so much going on. And if we can find little tweaks here and there just to lighten our stress loads, that makes a huge impact. Because if, if I have my veggies, my fruit prepped, washed, ready to go, I am way more likely to, to eat it. And my kids are too, if everything's already out and even pre-bagged into little individual baggies, they're much more likely to reach for something like that, as opposed to reaching for, you know, the bag of chips or whatever, which we still get chips. It's all about balance, you know, right. It's all about balance. Well, that's one of the (laughs) things that I found, like, you know, I get a chicken, I roast, you know, roast beef or a roast pork, something like that. And I do this all on Sunday, Aaron. And I also make pasta and rice ahead of time because yeah. I don't have 25 minutes to wait yep. for the rice to be done. I, I really don't, you know, and I'm not the most organized. I'll be honest. I'm, you know, I do the best I can with, with what I'm given, but when I can go to my fridge and I, I did a show on how to organize a fridge many years ago, you guys can mm-hmm. probably Google it, but it was such a smart thing. I had a lady, a professional organizer, teach me how to organize my fridge. And she had me measure the inside of the fridge and then divide by three. So I knew what size containers to get. And I also invested in some liquid containers that fit, that could stack on top of each other. You can get these anywhere, honestly, truly. Um, But once you have a system of stuff that fits in there, you can take that gallon of milk and put it down to a quart or put it down to a half quart so that you don't have all this, like how many times do we have half a gallon of orange juice, half a gallon of milk, you know, taken up the whole Mm -hmm. fridge. And the other thing that I've, adopted and this is from having my you know father live with me who's 89 he has a million glass jars like you know how old people save glass jars mm-hmm. well i saved them because now i can put the orange juice whatever's left over or apple juice in a smaller jar and yes it does create a little bit more washing but it allows me to find everything in my fridge and i think that was a big part of me being a better provider of food when I had a system for my own food in my house. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I totally agree that just having any kind of a system. And for me, I've learned that to let, to lighten the stress load and the brain fog and all of that, I can't do any kind of containers with a lid on it. I need open containers to throw stuff in. So when I've organized, because we moved this last summer and organized a pantry and really wanted to make sure that it was a system that was sustainable for everybody in the family. I've just got, I have open baskets so that we can, we've got one basket where we have the, um, the snack foods, right? We have one little organized basket that we have the fruits or vegetables that we don't put in the refrigerator. We have one, you know, we have something, but I don't put lids on them because that's just one extra step for me. And I can't do one extra step. And that goes for all areas of the house. I've got, we have a puppy. And so all the puppy toys (laughs) go into this one basket that's open to the side of the couch. And even the puppy knows that that's his basket of toys and he will go get a toy, play with it. (laughs) He knows it's there, but I mean, it's that same thing. It's just the basket concept or open concept. It's one less step. And I would love to be organized and to be able to have all these cute containers everywhere and these lids and these systems, but I've got to do what is easiest for me and my brain fog load. And that is open containers, open baskets where I can toss things in and know where they are. And you gave me the great idea, even for organizing my kids' laundry. I don't have to worry about having my kids fold up their laundry. They can just grab their laundry 
and just throw it in their drawers. Like it's going to get wrinkled anyway. <laughs> right. And right. like, for me, that's just one more thing that I, I, I don't want to have to worry about. And so I think even when we're talking about this concept of brain fog, you know, food nutrients are important, but, and, and sleep is important, but stress management, any extra way to take that extra load off, that's going to make an impact in, in our brain fog and what load we have to carry mentally. Absolutely. Like you were talking about those large utility totes and you can get them at Amazon. You can get them anywhere and you can get them with your kid's name on them. So Mm -hmm. everybody's laundry, dirty laundry goes in, it goes in the washer, comes out, goes back. My kids have lived in those totes. They don't even sometimes put their stuff away. And honestly, (laughs) like at certain ages, you fight the battles you can win and perfectly folded up socks and perfectly folded up t-shirts put away in the drawer is a big flipping waste of my time when they're little kids. And so my kids would just truck these little, you know, they're like soft-sided laundry baskets. They had their name on them. They had a lot of pride in that, but it was like, you know what? And those things are great too. When you need to whip clean your house, like you just take Mm -hmm. one of those big open totes and shove everything from the kitchen, shove everything and throw it in a closet. You can, you know, pull those crates out and, and look at them later, but you can clean up a whole house with two of those you know, open container crates, especially the soft-sided ones that fold up. Yeah. You know, there's an interesting correlation between brain clutter and house clutter for me. I am not a super neat and tidy person. Um, I mean, even you can see in in, in the background, I've got all sorts of things stacked up on my desk (laughs) that makes sense to me and not to anybody else. But I do know that when I take time to try to manage the clutter here and there, it makes a big impact on how my brain feels and the clutter that I have in my brain. And I'm like, okay, I can breathe. That's just one less thing that I have to do. And so I love the idea of just throwing everything into, into a tote, you know, and just getting it out of the way and just doing what we can just with a little bit here and there, it makes a huge difference and, and helping our kids get those systems as well. Um, because they, I think they're experiencing brain fog from everything. They're experiencing heightened emotions and anxiety. I mean, you don't have to, any statistic you read shows that kids are experiencing more anxiety than ever before. And they're already experiencing it to a great degree pre all this COVID stuff. So um, I, I think that this is something, the more intentional we can be about these systems and about, you know, our nutrition and our sleep, that's going to flow out to our kids as well. Well, and I think, you know, like, you know, we talk about brain clutter and house clutter or office clutter. And I, I'm, my question is, cause I, while you were talking, I was Googling and they say, oh, too much stuff, you know, uh, studies suggest that a messy room, you know, has so many more downsides. It can be damaging for your physical and mental health, blah, blah, blah. But my question for you, Aaron, is which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Because yeah. I end up having a cluttered house because I'm, I'm overstressed. I don't have time Mm -hmm. to get to everything. Like, I don't think many of us, many of us would, would choose to have, like, look at my office with all the sponsor stuff coming in. I've got books up, you know, piles of books, (laughs) piles of things. I've got sweatshirts. I got a clothing giveaway I have to do. So all this piles up, but I can't do it all in one week. So it's going to pile up. So is the clutter a result of my 
you know, overworked brain or my overworked schedule, like which comes first, the clutter mm. or the, the, the house clutter or the brain clutter. Cause to me, it's a big cycle. It totally is. I, Cause I, I, a lot of times it's my, it's my overworked schedule, my busy schedule that I look around my house. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have not been able to get any of this picked up. And so that's where like, I do have to be like on Mondays, I've decided that's kind of my lazy day. And if that means I don't really fix myself up, (laughs) if I don't like, I can manage to go around, get stuff done, have the kids help, you know, and, and I'm, that's more of my works on other days. Like I have appointments other on other days of the week. I have lots of appointments. I see clients, I have podcast recordings. I have, you know, kid pickup, pick kid um, drop off, you know, all of these things going on to where I'm like, I kind of have to look a little bit presentable, but I have dedicated. There are a few days of the week that I'm like, okay, these are days that I'm going to worry less about, you know, getting all fixed up. Maybe, maybe I don't even take a shower. I don't know, but I've got other things going on in my house that I have to work on. And it's, but it's, it's, it's constantly, you're right. It's a constant cycle always. It's a constant cycle, you know, and one of the things that I just want to remind everybody of when I look at, at earlier generations of women there was a pressure to have a clean house and to look nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Majority of those women did not work. Majority of those women mm-hmm. weren't two, two income households. So, you know, I think the most that we can do today, other than, than feed our bodies and, and get enough sleep and get enough rest, but is also be kind to ourselves that if we don't look like a supermodel walking out the door, cause we're the mom of young children's doesn't mean we have license to be, you know, to go haywire crazy, you know, um, you know, unbelievably unkempt, but there's got to be a happy medium in there of how do we, how do we handle all the pressures that the modern mother has, because it's very different than women in the past. Yeah. You know, and I think something else that complicates it, and I don't know if this takes us off topic, Eh, it sticks with it. Um, is the, the whole idea of social media and, and appearances on social media, because I have recently noticed just an an interesting phenomenon in my own life is that I am starting to see clients in person that have only seen me online. And so online, you know, if I have a zit, I'll filter that out. I'll straight up tell you, if I've got a zit, I'm going to throw a filter on my zit and post a picture where I don't have a zit, but in person, you can't do that. And so it causes me to be more aware of even my online presence. We all want to look a certain way online, but I'm finding in order to be authentic in my real life, I need to be as authentic as possible in my online presence. And I, I think that that's a battle for a lot of women because we feel like we have to keep up appearances online, whether that's through a clean house or through kids who seem to be perfect, no matter what, or <laughs> through our own appearance. I mean, you can filter, you can shade out different areas. There's so many great things we can do with pictures right now. I'm not saying I don't love it because I do, but when you meet somebody in person, I don't want to be that person. It's like, Ooh, you look nothing like you do online. <laughs> you know? right. And so right. I think that's just a good, it's another thing. We are stressing ourselves out to not even look the same way. And how many hours of the day eh, minutes does it take to filter out pictures and find the perfect picture to post and the perfect words when that's just one more thing that we could actually be present for in our real lives, you know, I mean, so I think that's just another, not only are we working more, but we have this other social presence that they didn't have back in the day. It's a pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, let's call it what it is. It's a social media, the pressure of social media. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, Erin, you know, thank you so much for talking today about brain fog. I think we covered a lot of things. And for our, our listeners today that are wondering, you know, what we can do, start with getting some sleep. Get yes. more sleep if you can, you know, say no to some things. No is not a dirty word. No is not a bad word. And no is also a complete sentence. I have to just give my little lecture <laughs> that no is a complete se- sentence. We don't have to give an excuse. If somebody says, can you volunteer? No, I can't. But thank you for asking and keep going. Yep. And just keep going, head right to that car and drive away before they can badger you. All right. Mm-hmm. We'll be back again next week with another great episode. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze, and I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.